The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Nice if I unmuted myself. It's that kind of a day. <laughs> so sorry. Good morning. Uh, good morning. Uh, I was saying good morning and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod and I'm here uh, with the fabulous Dr. Doreen Grampichet. And she is currently on her phone, but at some point we might be able to get her on a different device. But we're just we're just thrilled and happy to have her here with us because she's an amazing and she is uh you know, we have lots of experts on the show, but I got to say, and I don't mean to make anybody else feel bad, but she's the most wonderful. Uh, so there we You're go. So kind. Thank you. Shana. No, it's true. And uh, she's been working in this field for many, many, many years, many more than anybody would believe to look at her because you look like you're 18 right now. Oh my God. Yeah. You do. Thank you. <laughs> you do. Um, but um, she's been working in this field for a very long time, helping individuals on the autism spectrum and helping their families to better help them. And uh, so she's a wealth of knowledge and she joins us when she can on Wednesdays. We haven't had her for the last couple of weeks, so it's a big treat for us to have her back. Welcome back, Dr. Graham Pichet. Oh, thank you so much, Shannon. It's nice to be back and I apologize for not being here the last few weeks. Oh, you know, we understand you are a busy person with a lot of things to do and a lot of people to help. We're just grateful for when we have you. So, um, and thrilled to have you back. I do want to say to folks that there are lots of ways to connect with us. I know that many of you are, are, are just tuning in and watching us for the first time. And um, this show, our, our motto here is that we're here to give you information and inspiration to try to help you to get to whatever next level you're trying to get to. And this show is for the larger autism community. So that starts with individuals who are on the spectrum, of course, and then it includes everyone who loves them. All the people who care about them, the spouses, the brothers, the sisters, the moms, the dads, the grandparents, the aunts, the uncles, the teachers, the therapists, everybody who cares about somebody who's on the autism spectrum, we welcome all of you to this conversation about how we can get to real progress that is meaningful to those individuals so that they are treated with the respect and the dignity and get the jobs and the housing and all the things that they so richly deserve. So, and during this hour, we're gonna be live and interactive and there are lots of ways to connect with us. You can be watching us live right now on our homepage, autism-live.com, but you can also be watching us on YouTube, on Periscope, on Facebook, Facebook Live, um, and 
Twitter. We're live on Twitter. I was, how could I forget Twitter? Uh, and then later we will podcast. It will, it will still be available in all those places, but later we will podcast as a free podcast to download on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Deezer. So if there's a place that you would like us to be, our, our sort of criteria is that we want to be someplace that's free to people where they can watch this uh, at their leisure, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Don't forget that if you're, many people write in and say to us, I wish that it was available as just an audio podcast so that I could take you in the car or on a walk, you absolutely can. I just wanna point out that on um, most of the places that we podcast, um, you can get just the audio. And the great thing about iTunes is you can choose do you want audio only or do you want picture and sound? Uh, so Dr. Graham Pichet, um, we, we're, we're going to be asking her some questions and, uh, now we've got two of you now. It's exciting. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, there we if go. you have two yeah. of me, then I can always turn one off, but yeah, that's wonderful. I can't see you in either one. So. Oh dear. Well, now all I'm seeing is your phone. There we go. Um, so Dr. Grampichet is here for this hour to answer questions from you, wherever you are in the world. We have a couple that, that I cherry picked um, from um, the last 48 hours, but you guys can be writing in on all those features that we were telling you about. In fact, on autism-live.com, you can write in for, you know, and it's, it's completely anonymous. Uh, there's a chat button at the bottom right in. It comes in right here on this iPad that I, that I have right here so that I can see it in almost real time. But I do encourage people to write in early. I know what happens is that we get on a roll and then I, I always like get <gasps> when it's with about 40 minutes into the hour because there's a bunch of questions and I go, oh no, we're not gonna get them all in. And I always feel bad about that. So try to write in as early as you can. Now, Dr. Grand Pichet, um, and she's going to answer your questions in a general um, manner because even though she's an amazing expert, there is no expert in any field that could answer individual specific questions in this format because she doesn't have eyes on the situation. It's as simple as that. And, and, to, and to act as though she could would be disrespectful right. to those individuals. But she's going to answer your questions in a general nature to help you to be able to go back to the experts that have eyes on the situation and maybe be a little bit better informed to know what to start by asking. So there we go. Um, we had somebody who wrote in and I believe um, people are already saying hello, hello, hello. Um, okay, so um, hello. Somebody, wrote, somebody wrote in and I think it's the same person. So I'm gonna, I, I sent you some of the questions, Dr. Gramsci, I'm gonna, Skip down to the second part, but I believe that the first two are the same person. Hello, ma'am. My son is going to be seven years old in August. He was diagnosed with devel developmental delays at age of one and a half. He's not walking, uh, but we can make him stand with the support of the bed, and then he manages for a few minutes. He doesn't respond to his name, but sometimes he reacts to different things. He is not speaking, but says a few words as baba, mama, papa, um, uh, that too in continuing, but he plays on the floor, rolling, standing till knees, bend with, uh, keeping his legs upwards and lying down. Uh, if you put him in a walker, he goes backwards. Sometimes he always puts his hands in his mouth and plays with his clothes on, on the face and starts laughing and enjoying. Is there any exercise or how can, uh, we help him to learn to walk and talk 
and all the different things, please um, do help us is what they're asking. Mm -hmm. That's and then wonderful. Can you hear me okay, Shannon? Yeah, I can hear you. I think we're on just a little bit of a delay, but I can hear you fine. Uh, okay, great. So uh, I, I feel really bad for this family. My goodness, what they must be going through at, with the child at seven. Uh, I'm wondering if they're in the US or if we know where the, uh, the question is coming from, because I really think this is a, a serious enough case where you should have professional help. Uh, you should possibly have uh, some physical therapy, occupational therapy, and then of course you can add to that yourself and you can do a lot of work yourself, but I really feel like uh, you know, your child, if he is on a walker and able to move backwards, then possibly uh, with a lot of physical and occupational therapy, he might actually be able to walk, which I think is very important. And then, of course, uh, all the other skills that you need to teach, uh, if he is already saying some sounds, then language becomes very important. I would ask, how is he communicating his needs right now? Uh, how is he letting you know what he wants or, or doesn't want? Uh, it becomes very, very important. Uh, this, uh, if you are not in the US or, or if you, even if you are in the US and you, need, um, you can't get professional help right now, I really recommend that you go on our skills website um, skillsforautism.com that you'll find a lot of lessons there. There's a section for motor skills. There's also a section for uh, language. Um, it'll show you, it'll tell you some of the things that you need to teach and, and step-by-step -step how to proceed um, with teaching both uh, mobility and language. And then, of course, you can also use our IBT website, which is Institute for Behavioral Training, where uh, you'll learn some of the ABA techniques. But I really think initially it would be wonderful if you were able to connect with a physical therapist or occupational therapist and, and work on some motor skills, gross motor, fine motor, all of those types of skills are very important. And they will actually uh, help uh, oral motor, which will then be necessary for language. And this parent, uh, they reached out in two different ways, which I encourage people to reach out to us, you know, um, and, and that's why I think um, that it's the same parent. So um, they also emailed me. So I'll be able to email this clip back to her in case she's not watching right now, and maybe we can help to connect her to more things. Uh, I don't Great. believe that they are in the United States, and that makes it harder um, in some cases, depends on where you are. But um, I just want to say that no matter who you are, no matter where you are, there is always progress that can be made. And I, and I want to say that for a very specific reason, because sometimes we're told that our kids have fill in the blank, and that that's the end of the story, period, full stop, end of the story. And it never is. It never is. Um, everyone has the ability to grow and to learn at different rates and to different ends. But, um, but progress can always be made. It might mean picking what you want to make progress on and focusing on that and having it take a long time. But progress is always available for all of us 
and for all of our kids. And that makes my heart feel better. Um, you know what I mean, Dr. Grampy Shea? 100%, absolutely. Any, any progress um, gives us, you know, more hope. And then, of course, the more hope we have, the more harder we work. And um, all of our kids make progress. So it's just about just the finding the right ways. Wonderful. So uh, we've got a bunch of people who have written in and I want to say hello to a bunch of people. Um, uh, Emma, we're saying hello to you, Rosangala. Bonnie and Lauren and Lourdes and mm, and uh, I want to uh, so somebody has asked the question is repeating yourself part of autism? Yes, it, it could be. Uh, um, you know, I, I don't know the exact circumstances, but there is a one of the symptoms of autism is what we call echolalia. Um, and this is when a child hears something and they just repeat it. Uh, sometimes you'll see it in the form of repeating sounds like e, 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 e like that. Or sometimes you'll see it in the form of repeating full sentences even that the child heard on let's say TV or a commercial or somewhere. So uh, it's, it could be echolalia, um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing either. We are actually pretty encouraged when a child has echolalia because it shows that the child can develop uh, speech. So uh, if, if you are concerned, if your child is doing that, then I would recommend that you uh, see a specialist uh, anyone who works in the field of autism, uh, preferably someone who is a diagnostician, uh, they can very easily tell you if this is echolalia and if it's a symptom of autism and they can help you down the path. And I've gotten some more information since I asked that first question. Uh, she's writing in about herself. She says, how do you know if you have autism? Some days I feel like I don't have it. Um, uh, Sometimes I feel like I don't have it. I, I have had a diagnosis, uh, but she says my social worker said I could have Tourette's. But she is saying that she does have a diagnosis. I believe oh, that's, that is. Yeah, I mean, it is possible to have Tourette's and autism together. Uh, so, and it would be very, very important to identify if you have Tourette's because uh, there's a whole different series of treatments and such for Tourette's. Um, and it would be really important to identify. And when it comes to autism, uh, you know, you could, it, it makes sense that you feel sometimes you have it, sometimes you don't, because Autism is a really wide spectrum and lots of different symptoms. And sometimes you could have, uh, you could, you know, exhibit some of the symptoms, but not the others. Don't forget, the more you learn, uh, the more you lose the symptoms of autism. Autism is malleable. We can change it. So uh, that, and that's the whole purpose of, of what we do, of the therapy that we do is, is to help people uh, come out, lose their symptoms. And so uh, it is possible that uh, this uh, repetition of words, if you feel that you have 
no control over it, if it's a repetition that just blurts out at any given time, it is possible that it could be Tourette's. I would uh, really recommend that you see someone who is a specialist who can help you with that. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Bonnie says, good morning. How can I help my six-year-old son to get more conversational speech? He requests and answers yes or no, but does not engage in conversation. He is functionally verbal. Right, very good. And that's, uh, that's uh, what we love to do. And so I would really, really recommend that you uh, get on skills because there's no one answer I can give you that helps you here. There's a million different uh, lessons that you that your child would learn, and then we bring them together. So, uh, for example, he or she is your child is now uh, functionally communicating with you but we need to get them to the point where they're tacting or describing things that they see. And then we need to get them to the point where they are doing intraverbals, which is talking about things that are not physically present. And so um, there's steps to doing all of this. And along the way, you also, we increase uh, the vocabulary. So for instance, right now, he might just have a few verbs and a few uh, nouns, we would need to increase the, the adjectives and just continue to put them together in sentences that are useful and functional. And that there's, uh, you know, uh, not to overwhelm anyone, but, but for children under the age of eight, there's roughly 4,000 lessons in our curriculum. So um, I really recommend that you look at both our skills curriculum, which is again, skillsforautism.com. And uh, there you will start by answering a lot of questions about your child. And as you answer these questions, uh, we will be able to determine exactly what your child needs. So uh, the, the program will only uh, kind of give back to you uh, a, a whole array of program lessons that your child needs, not things that he already has mastered, and not things that are above his age level, just the things that he needs to learn right now. And then uh, the program will kind of guide you and you will need to select a series of lessons so that you can work on those. Um, you will need to have a technique and obviously the technique I recommend is ABA or Applied Behavior Analysis. And if you'd like to learn more about ABA, that's our other website, which is the Institute for Behavioral Training, which is ibehavioraltraining.com. And uh, there you will learn everything about how to use the techniques of ABA to actually teach those skills to your child. A conversation is just one of many, many skills. Um, and it's, it, it's very, very doable. So uh, please be encouraged. It's wonderful that he has functional communication. We can definitely help. And uh, we also had somebody with a 15-year-old wanting recommendations for conversational social skills. And we, we not only have, there's the availability for all of us to go and look at skills, um, but there is also skills living 
um, which has um, things that are for older kids as well. Although skills itself has social uh, conversational skills as well. So, but maybe we want to give both of those again, skillsforautism.com and then there's skillsliving.com um, that uh, would be very, very interesting for you to take a look at. Plus, which we, we have talked a lot about the different steps. I got to say, Dr. Grampiche, that um, we hear this a lot from people that their, their kiddos are speaking, they're functionally communicating, that they're labeling things, that they can say yes or no, but everybody's trying to get to that conversation part. And, and I really, I want to reiterate what you said, that in skills, it's, it's very easy to see that arc. This whole last week, we've been doing the verbal operants for our jargon of the day. You guys can check those out on, our, on the playlist, um, on our YouTube page or on our, um, on our own channel, through all of them and talk about them individually and why they and how they build um, to the, so that you get to the conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think a lot of times the problem yeah. is that there are, oh, my internet is unstable. Sorry. The, um, the problem is that there are speech and language pathologists who are teaching labeling. And then, and then there are some really great speech and language yeah. pathologists who understand the interverbal, but a lot don't. And, and this is why I really want to remind everybody why ABA is so important and not just to take speech. Um, because with ABA, you get to that conversation. Help me out here, Dr. Grampiche. Do you agree? I absolutely agree. And you said it really well, Shannon. I think that, I mean, it's useful to have functional speech, right? To be able to just say what you want, for instance. That's important. But uh, it's a whole different level of useful when you get to conversation. I, I really think uh, if, if any of our viewers go on skills and they look in just the social conversation lessons or just the language curriculum as a whole, um, they will see exactly what you and I are talking about here because it really has a lot to do with just that. Is It's very good to have functional speech, but bringing all of it together you know, conversation, Shannon, I've often said it has a lot to do with um, perspective taking, being able to see the other person's perspective. It has to do because you, you have to sort of pause, you have to uh, pay attention to their response level. Uh, there, we have lessons, as you know, that deal with things like how do I join a conversation when there's a group of kids around me? Uh, how do I change the subject? How do I uh, repair the conversation if people look like they're about to walk away? Uh, how do I uh, regulate myself so I'm not talking about just the things I like? How do I, you know, there's, there's a million different aspects to conversation. Um, at the very basic level, it starts by just being able to talk about things that are physically not in front of you. And uh, those are the basic introverbals. And, and so we have a, a really good path for conversation. And I do recommend that, that, that people should look at, look at that. And it's amazing when you see it in action. It's like one of the coolest things I've ever said. I always referred to it as the autism miracle in my living room. Um, so I, I think it's remarkable. Um, and, and that was what my son had was exactly what you'll find in the skills curriculum. 
Uh, okay, I'm going to move on because we got a bunch of questions. They really took my my suggestion to heart to write in earlier. I'm I'm already panicking. Are we going to get everything in? Uh, okay, so be patient with me, you guys. Uh, somebody wants to know: Have you seen a kid progress really well and then regress and then progress, or once they regress, is that it? Bad schooling and bad programming. And she also goes on to say that she's in mediation now. And your advice about how much information they should give the school which is a tough one. That is a tough one. Shannon, could you repeat it? I, uh, I'm afraid uh, you come in and out for me. I don't know if I'm also choppy for our viewers. You have not been choppy for me. And I did get a thing saying my internet was low. So I'm going to work on that while you answer this question. But the question was, have you seen a kid progress really well and then regress and then progress? Or once they regress, is that it? And they're yeah. attributing it to bad schooling and bad programming. And they wanna know if they should give information to the school while they're in mediation, how much to, how much to disclose. Oh my God. Okay, so I wouldn't, yes. So the entire course of three or four years of ABA, is this whole, for the majority of kids, it's this process of progressing and either plateauing or regressing and then progressing again. So this back and forth thing is, I wouldn't worry too much. I would fix it, but I wouldn't think that it means anything bad. Uh, it, what it means can be a million different things, yes. It could be that the, the particular therapists who are working with the child are not focused on the right things. Uh, it could be that uh, the child is not sleeping. It could be that the child is having an allergic reaction to something. It could be that uh, the child is eating something that is causing him or her to be a little bit more cloudy. Um, I mean, it could be a million different things, right? So uh, that is the whole, uh, that's the job of your BCBA supervisor is to sit with you. And at least in our clinics or in ABA, that's what we do is we hope that our, our behavior analysts can sit and problem solve and figure out what is going on. Because that that's a, a very important thing. And that's why we meet regularly with our families uh, at least once every month to sit down and say, how are things, are they, are we still moving along? Cause we see the data, the data is maybe plateauing or it's gone backward. That kind of stuff happens all the time. And it's important to figure out what the reason is and to fix it. Um, I think sorry. Shannon, uh, I'm sorry, you're on mute. I, I'm unmuted now. Uh... Uh, so we've got a parent who's writing in about uh, a young man who is obsessive about things um, and that in particular right now he's obsessive about, um, they're bringing me in the cord right now, that he's obsessive about women, that he's going up to women anywhere ages five to 55 and asking them to be his girlfriend. The hormones are a little bit crazy and she's wanting to know what, what can she do to because it's making it hard for people in the community don't want to be around him and to make friends it's all very very difficult I yeah think. yep yep and that is uh that happens and 
you know, we think it has a lot to do with this area uh, called uh, theory of mind or lack of perspective taking. Um, you know, a lot of our kids have, have a difficult time seeing another person's perspective uh, simply because they don't see their own mind as being separate from other minds. So as a result of that, obviously, uh, if you don't see the other person's perspective, you kind of start to see the world as your playground, in a sense. And uh, you don't really think if I'm going to follow this person around, or I'm stalking someone, or I'm getting too close to them, you're not thinking about how they feel. You're not thinking, oh my God, this could be possibly making this individual very uncomfortable. Uh, so those are the things that, you know, if you're in a good ABA program and, and when the child is young, we start teaching a lot of different lessons that have to do with taking someone else's perspective. In fact, honestly, Shannon, I think sometimes we go overboard to, in the sense that our kids be, end up being able to take other people's perspectives better than the norm. Like they just become extremely empathetic and sympathetic and very, very able to think about how others think, you know? And if you're an adult and that has not been part of your overall development over many years, it's still not too late. You, you as the parent just have to understand that you need to kind of make some rules about things and you need to explain things that might not otherwise you might, you might not think like, oh, why should I have to explain that? So I would maybe videotape the child or the adolescent when they're doing these things and then later sit with him and explain, when you do this, um, how do you think this person feels? And if they don't know, just write it down. We use these things called comic strips. We'll draw figures and you'll say, you do this, and this is how this person feels. And, uh, you know, just have a, have a feeling bubble that's like next to their heart. And it says they're feeling afraid, maybe. They're feeling scared, maybe. And then you can have a thought bubble as well that says, what, are they, what do you think they're thinking? And help your, your child uh, by giving them the answers and helping them understand how different people feel if you get too close to their territory or in their territory or in their space. I hate you. I know. Uh, <laughs> I hate me this morning. But I was just saying, I, I love this and I wish we could give this training to everyone. And I think it's important that we give this training to all of our young men on and off the spectrum about what it feels like in personal space for a woman. And then, you know, we across the board, not just the male female thing, how we're making other people feel. I wish we had perspective taking for the world lessons. Um, okay, but I really want to get to this question because I really need to send a, a virtual hug to this mom. She says, I have a question regarding my nonverbal autistic daughter. She's seven years old and I recently had a baby and she can't stand the sound the baby, uh, the newborn makes. She's been screaming and banging her head and literally crying tears. We've tried to separate them at all times. We tried slowly introducing the baby, which she doesn't mind when he's quiet, but as soon as he starts cooing, she gets upset. What can I do? 
Yeah, so that is very, very difficult situation. It is extremely important, first of all, to find out uh, if the child is, if your daughter is crying and screaming because of the sound of the baby crying, which could be a sensory issue, which I will give you some suggestions for. Um, or if your child is screaming because they've now lost the attention they used to have from you, which is a very common thing when a second child comes into the family. So assuming that this is really a sensory issue, which please, uh, all of our, like, you know, over the years, I, I've learned that it is so important to pay attention to the fact that our kids really do have, uh, uh, some of our kids, not all of them, but some of them really, really do have very sensitive hearing. Um, and it's important to give them a, a, a tool to survive. So I would suggest for your child, if you determine that it really is about this, the crying, and so the child, your, your other daughter doesn't have an issue with the baby, just has an issue when, when the sound of baby crying, then I would have your daughter have, buy, buy your daughter some of these um, noise canceling headphones. I love those. They help our kids so much. I make a little uh, area maybe in each room that you are with your children, like let's say in her room, in the living room, maybe in the kitchen, depending on how your house is, like put a bean bag in the corner, uh, put the noise canceling headphones there, put some of her favorite toys there. And when this happens, uh, be, don't get mad at her at all, just guide her over. And, and in fact, maybe before it happens, I would suggest that you, show your daughter how the noise canceling headphones work, put them on her, play some of her favorite music. In fact, teach her to use them because sometimes, we, and, and I forget Shannon, if, if we know the age of the older child. Seven, seven. seven. That's, that's great. So, I mean, she can use these with music. She can use them with, with something on a computer like her favorite TV show or show on a computer but teach her how to use them. And I promise you it's, it's life-changing when you teach your child how to use a tool, an object. It's just like going outside and putting your sunglasses on. Think of it that way. For our kids, they are very, very sensitive to certain sounds. And as long as we can teach them, especially when you're home. Now, when you're outside, it's a little bit of a different issue because of safety. But when you're home, she can absolutely block out that sound by putting on some headphones and looking or listening to something else. And, and actually, that location will become useful to you. We often use a kind of, this is my rest place. This is my, my kind of Shangri-La. It's my place where nobody can bother me. And um, if, if for any other reason, if your child starts to get upset, uh, at, tell your child to go there. Um, Shannon, when Nikki was very little, if she would start to tantrum or something, I would literally, I had taught her, I would tell her, go to the hallway or go to another room. And she would, she was so, even if she was super angry, she'd walk into another room, close the door and like have her tantrum there and then come back out. And so like, you know, having a peaceful, nice area where you can like deescalate is something good for the kids anyway. And, and I think, I just think it's fair for our kids to be able to give them 
the ability to shut out certain noises. Now, nowadays we're so lucky because you can actually shape, gradually fade back from that. So those big ones that go over your ear now, the ear the earbuds, you know, now they make the ones that are actually somewhat noise canceling. So they go in your ear, you can kind of hear the outside, but not really. And then ultimately, of course, you can, you know, fade even that away to regular headphones where you can hear the outside, but you can also hear something that you're listening to. Amazing. Uh, by the way, many people are writing in and saying thank you and that your words are giving them so much hope. Uh, I just want, and some, somebody thank said, you. love it, love it, Doreen. Uh, so uh, question here about interverbals. Mom says, my son is still working on this and she has a yeah. uh, sad face. She says he's so fluent when it comes to doing echolalia, but when he's putting his own words together, it takes a bit longer. Yeah, but, uh, and, and you should ask mom, are, are you actually doing a full, how old is that child? Do we know? She did not say, and I should know, um, but I don't, but I don't remember. The question is, um, how many hours are you doing ABA? How many hours of ABA are you doing? Uh, is a is good ABA? Uh, is it is your child gradually making progress? You never go from echolalia to intraverbals. That just isn't the case. You go from echolalia to manding, manding to tacting, tacting to intraverbals. So there's a whole process that you go through, and it's important. It's like saying, you know, with a typically developing child, whether they can go from just saying "mama" to "hi, mom, how's your day?" You can't really jump, make that jump. You have to go through these steps. Child is eleven. Okay, e even if the child is eleven. So the question really is. Uh, how much practice or how much work is being done on this particular concept? And have you tried to, is your child manding? That means is he requesting? Is he tacting? Is he pointing to objects and talking about them? Uh, those are the steps that happened before. So this mom uh, wants you to know that her child is doing 20 hours of ABA right now. She's an RBT. Um, and, um, and she said, no, we didn't. And yes, we did. And, and I don't know which, she, <laughs> I don't know which thing that no, we didn't. And yes, we did. I'm so you sorry. No, it doesn't matter if you're an RBT fantastic. Like we have nothing else to worry about at this point. Yeah. It's all just the course, right? It all, and, and, and going on the right course. So you are an RBT, get on skills, please, please. I am begging you to be, go on skills. It will change your life. You will be, you'll understand it because you're an RBT. You'll fully get it and you'll follow it and it will take your child to places you cannot believe. So please get on skills and it will guide you step-by-step step how to move him or her forward. It's, and and she wants you to- how wonderful that that this mom has the ABA knowledge. Yes. And he is manding and tacting. So, right. I, you right. know, and she says, I was just kind of making a statement, but I'm glad that we talked about it, honestly, because there are other people who don't know what you know that needed to hear that it is frustrating and that, you know, but that you are doing all the right things and you're staying the course. Um, and she has Absolutely. been doing that since he's three. So that's wonderful. 
uh, okay, I'm, I'm starting to feel that thing of we're, you know, we're not going to get to everything, but um, uh, somebody has written in and several times, so I'm, I'm going to attend to it. How many types of autism are there? Oh, gosh. You know, that's a really good question. And there are so many different types of autism. I'll try to answer that as a clinician who has seen kids for 40 somewhat years. And then I'll try to answer it as a kind of scientist researcher because we've also published on this. Mm-hmm. So as a clinician who's been seeing kids for uh, what 42 years, um, there's autism, the, 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 the symptoms of autism also have changed over the years. The type of autism that I used to see back in the 80s is, is, is different. I don't see that level of severity anymore, um, thankfully, because we used to see very, very, very severe autism, stuff that you guys at this in this in this world in this lifetime we have you wouldn't believe um but there are many different types of children just like there are many different types of people in the world so there are children who are visual learners um that's really important they have a very very strong visual memory and with those children, we have to learn to teach them everything through a visual modality. Like they need to see uh, pictures or something visual that helps them. They learn better that way. Uh, there are hyperlexic children. So these are children who have, uh, have an uncanny ability to uh, read and uh, manipulate letters. And these kids often teach themselves how to read things from age two without anyone even teaching them. With those children, we use uh, the written word a lot to help them to start to communicate and and to learn. Uh, There are children who are always going to be nonverbal, but that doesn't mean that they can't communicate. Uh, Their being nonverbal could have to do with a million different things. Um, you know, that one of which could be just apraxia. They could have very severe inability to move their tongue around so they can't really produce words or sounds. That's okay. A lot of those children go on to communicate through augmentative devices where they type um, or um, icons where they can touch or even uh, they can do sign language. So there's, there's a, a whole variety you know, and then from those are, and those are just a few examples of different children. Like you have children who will uh, have a hard time learning if you present a stimulus to them up close and you have to have the stimulus out far. So I can't even begin to uh, list the different types of autism. I can tell you that over the years we have uh, gathered uh, millions of data points in our database, which is skills, skills database. And so we look at how children learn. So we, the two things, uh, well, skills measures a lot of things, but the two very important things for me that are measured on skills is, you know, the how fast is the child learning and how fast are their challenging behaviors decreasing, right? Those two things. And so when you look at those two things as 
an outcome measure and you look at all the other variables in the child's life, like for instance, if a child sleeps well, they learn faster. If a child doesn't have an underlying medical illness, they learn faster. If a child doesn't have a pain from a, a physical illness, uh, they're not gonna have a lot of challenging behaviors. Those types of correlations. And when you look at all of the children globally, so we looked at something like 9,800 children and uh, several million data points. And we were able to see 16 specific subtypes. And those specific subtypes had to do with these learning patterns, the way kids learn. Uh, you know, some kid, and it had to do with, oh, look, this subtype all learn uh, these particular lessons very quickly. This is the visual subtype. These kids don't even have an issue with the majority of their basic programs. This is the sort of Asperger's subtype. So we were able to find these 16 behavioral subtypes. Uh, I think there's more uh, than that. And I think they all, they definitely through our data set, you can see it, they all kind of overlap a little bit with each other. And what's important I think is that ultimately um, on the, you know, on, on one side of the spectrum, it kind of starts to merge into ADHD and then it starts to just merge into what we call typical. And it's very interesting because it's not just about, uh, when we think of autism, we only think about weaknesses or areas of deficit, but it's not really the case. A lot of our kids with autism also have incredible strengths that the typical population, us, we don't have. They have amazing memory. They have incredible musical talent. They have incredible artistic talent. They have unbelievable uh, like visual memory or ability to memorize things and, and keep them. And they have specific mathematical abilities that we don't have. There's, there's a lot of stuff that some of the kids have. So it's just the way to look at it is not is in my mind over after 40 years is to just kind of look at it as an extension of you know like this is there's a there in in research there's this thing we call the normal curve right and it's just uh, it's a curve it's the i think it's called the u-shaped curve in, in lay language or whatever but it's basically the majority of people fall kind of in the middle and then there are outliers, right? There are people who are extremely talented and then there are people who have extreme issues or deficits, right? And so I see autism as having a little bit of both. There, and they're just extreme differences. And our goal has always been not to necessarily completely eliminate all of those differences, but to bring the individual into the norm so that they can function well in life. That's really the key. And I think that's the way to look at it. It's like, you never really wanna change the kind of the quirks of the personality of the individual because some of that stuff is just their brilliance and it comes out when they're able to communicate. What you wanna do is try to teach them all the things that help them function in, in society. You know, like uh, like right now is a great example, Shannon. With COVID, you know, if I if I say, hey, I'm I'm I everything is fine with me, but I refuse to put on my mask. I just refuse, for whatever reason. 
well, I'm not going to be able to go outside. I'm just, I won't be able to because people won't let me, right? So there's certain things like that with autism. Like if, if uh, someone says, I don't want to put on my clothes. Well, you can't go outside. If I, I just, you know, I, I don't want to, I'm going to scream everything that I want. Well, you can't mingle with people then. So that's, that's what we're trying to do is trying to teach all the things that allows the person to, to live uh, with, as well as they can in society. Long Absolutely. end. I love it though. And a lot of people are writing in how much they love skills and saying skills definitely covers it all. It's mind blowing. Um, one parent is writing in and saying that they're having a little bit of trouble um, figuring skills out. They're not a card parent. They're wanting to know who to connect to. And I just want to be clear um, that, so there, there are card parents. Um, if you're already in card, you already have a skills account. And there are people in your office and you're on your team that are prepared to help you with skills. If you are not um, a card family, you can still get access to skills. That's still available to the public. It's a different group of people. But if you're here, and I always say, you know, uh, call uh, over to skills if you want to get, it's a subscription, it's a monthly thing. Ask them for the friends and family discount from Autism Live. Tell them that you heard it here and they will give you a discount. I think it's 10% and 10% is nothing to sneeze at, right? Um, but for this mom, you know me and I'm happy to walk through skills with you. I love to take a walking tour of skills with a family member because it keeps me refreshed on skills because I used it for a lot of years and I don't uh, personally anymore. So it almost be doing me a favor. So you can write directly to me. We'll set up a time and you, you already communicate with me. So I think we're going to be fine. Um, okay. So somebody else wrote in and said, by the way, we have a lot of people watching from India and Dubai today. Welcome everyone. Okay. Uh, some, yes. Uh, somebody says, ma'am, I have a four-year-old child with mild autism. She is a nonverbal child with some babbling, and also she is restless. Ma'am, if you kindly can give me your valuable suggestions from YouTube. Um, there we go. Yeah, I, I uh, really would recommend for our families uh, that they should, if I, was, if I was just starting out in the field, Shannon, I think, and I, I agree with that one family, skills can be overwhelming. It's, it's not as user-friendly as I would like it. I always say that we ended up putting too much into skills, and, and, but but IBT is very user-friendly, and I think I would start there. Uh, if I was a parent, I think the most useful thing would be to learn some of the techniques. So what I recommend for that family is to go on ibehavioraltraining.com. And Shannon, as you know, uh, IBT is very, very inexpensive. Some of the modules of training that we have put on IBT are like, you know, $12. And you, uh, th these are video trainings by subject. So for example, you as a starting parent, if you go on there, you will see a whole list of really interesting topics that you might be interested in to learn. So just things like, you know, what is ABA? How does it work? Uh, what should I do when my child has a tantrum in public? Uh, how should I teach my child language? There's a, a lot of really, really good topics on there. And you just pick one 
and uh, you can view it and, and you can you have access to it for I think a month or maybe more. I'm not sure how long once you've purchased it. You can get a lot of people to come and view it and learn that module and then do another one next week and do another one next week. And I promise you, if you gather, you know, especially times like this, if you have a team of people helping you and you all watch one video per week in two months, you will know quite a lot more and you'll then be able to start actually setting up a program and working with your child. Yes, and I want to say that every week there are, during this COVID emergency, um, there are some of the, the trainings that are available for free. I haven't gotten the email this week about which ones, but I'm, I'm looking to see if I can get that information before we um, finish the show today. Um, but we've only got a couple of seconds here. I, uh, but go to ibehavioraltraining.com. There is a phone number and you can call and say, Shannon didn't know which ones were free this week. And, and you can do that. And people are asking, Traven, if you would post yeah. links to skills and IBT in the comments so that they have them. Uh, I think that would be really great. Uh, we probably only have time for one more question, but I think it's a really important one. And by the way, yes, they're writing in asking, is it available in the UK? Yes, it's available worldwide. And I also, somebody wanted to know, excuse me, uh, somebody wanted to know if we were recording this and yes, we are. So you can always look back at this and watch this later. But the question I think I wanna end on, cause it's one that's really, I think a very important question. Uh, is NET better than table work doing ABA? My son seems to learn more through NET. And for some people who don't, like there are probably people who don't know what NET is. If you, but we've only got five minutes. <laughs> sure. Of course, of course. Yeah, and I have to be right on time as I have another show right after this, something else. Okay, so uh, NET stands for Natural Environment Training, and it is a type of ABA. So let's start with that. Uh, AB, uh, uh, when they talk about table time, I think they're referring to discrete trial training or DTT, which is a more structured form of ABA. So when what we do here at CARD is that we generally will start with a type of ABA that's called errorless. And that means we give a lot of help to the child so that they don't make any errors. Uh, it is a form of DTT, and, and so DTT is based on the premise that you pr pr you give a stimulus, you give a a like a, a signal or an instruction, and then you wait for the child to respond, and then you reinforce it, and that's a discrete trial. So it starts with your instruction, the child's behavior, and then the consequence A B C or antecedent behavior consequence, and that is a discrete trial, and you do many of those back to back. And, and when you teach something. And, and, there, and it's a lot more complicated than that. I just kind of simplified it, but it is, uh, NET is much less structured. So we generally will start with DT, we'll, once with something is mastered in DTT, we will move to an NET format just to make sure the child generalizes. That means we wanna make sure the child will use that, whatever they learned in real life. And NET is like real life. It's like walking around the house and talking about the things and pointing out. 
I find it's more effective it's if you combine discrete trial and, and natural environment rather than do one or the other. Because discrete trial is like intensive tutoring. It teaches your child the subjects faster and you don't have time. And NET then makes, it, makes the child realize how this applies to their real life. So the, the combination, always doing discrete trial and a little bit of NET and a little bit of discrete trial and a little bit of NET is what, what I recommend. Now, having said that, you wanna make sure your discrete trial format is very rewarded uh, because some children just re react negatively to that kind of structure and you have to kind of work them into it. You wanna give a lot of rewards so the child gets used to it. No child really likes to sit and have, you know, 30, 40 hours of intensive tutoring. So it is very uh, understandable if a child reacts initially, but it is good for them because they learn very fast through DTT. I mean, if you just do DTT, on the other hand, they, it, many children have a hard time applying it to their real life. So combined um, method is better. I love that answer. And I just want to say from a parent perspective that a lot of times we think that our kids are learning more from the NET because that's when the good part comes, but the DTT laid the groundwork on which the good stuff could come. So please right. listen to Dr. Grampy Shea and, and do both of them. Um, we only have a minute and a half here, but I do have what is free from IBT the rest of this week. So the trainings, so if you go to ibehavioraltraining.com and then you, you're gonna go to the top where it says community, family, um, and then from you click on that, then there's another drop down menu, you'll pick parent training. Um, and then the, the trainings that are free this week are tackling autism as a family. So that includes explaining the diagnosis to others who needs to know and who doesn't, explaining the diagnosis to my friends and family, explaining autism to my other children, explaining autism to my child with autism, preparing for the holidays, making holiday breaks a success, preparing for uh, spiritual situations, how to support my child in our house of worship, worship, excuse me, how to have a success at the doctor's office and preparing my home to prevent emergencies. All, oh, there's more. Uh, oh, there's more. <laughs> preparing for after school activities and camps. I'm, I'm going to leave that. What's that? Yeah, I'm going to leave you if that's okay. Okay. I have no, you go. Thank you. We adore you. You Thank go. You. And I'll talk to you Thank later. You. Love Thank you. Bye. You. Um, but so uh, also preparing for after school activities and camps, how to choose the right after school activities, camps, and hobbies for my child ethical issues, dual relationships, what are they and how to avoid them? And the last one, why children with autism may be victims of abuse and what you should know. They are all free. So you go again at the top of the page, it'll say health and human services. You click on that. Then you click on caregiver. Then you click on parent e-learning. And then when you get them in your cart, those all of those trainings that I just listed off, um, you want to put in the code COVID-19. It is all caps and there is a hyphen between the COVID and the 19. So C-O-V-I-D, all caps, hyphen or dash, nine, excuse me, 19. And then if, if, it's, if you did what, what's right and picked only the ones that were free, it will zero your account out. So you will owe absolutely nothing. That's at ibehavioraltraining.com. That's just this week. Like, I don't know if that changes on Friday or Monday. So get them, 
if you get them now, go in and get them now and then you'll have them. And I do think you get to have them for a month. So um, I hope that you guys will take uh, part in that. I want a little programming note here. We are not gonna be live tomorrow or Friday. We've been trying to be live every single um, day. And um, we just did some really great shows last week. And so we're gonna replay the episode tomorrow that was Temple Grandin talking about how to find and feed your child's passion. That So it's a replay, but it's gonna to air tomorrow. And then on Friday for Let's Talk Autism, we're gonna replay our show from last week with uh, Nava and Matt Asner. We're gonna be back doing live shows on Monday. I'm just gonna be honest that I need to take uh, a couple of days um, because of the loss of my friend, Joanne. I need, to, I need some time to process that and to work on her memorial, which we will be doing a week from Saturday for anybody who is interested and would like to. It's gonna be online, a worldwide event with amazing speakers and some amazing performers to remember the life and celebrate the life of Joanne Lara. If you are wanting to support Joanne and her efforts, what she did for the autism community, please feel free to make a donation. There's no flowers. It's a virtual um, ceremony. There's no flowers. Please feel free to make a donation. You can go to um, autismworksnow.org or autismmovementtherapy.org and there are places to donate there. Um, and But I will be back with you on Monday. And I just want to thank you all because I know it's been a been a really rough week for me and having your friendship and your compassion and um, being here with me has meant the world to me. So thank you all. I will see you next Monday, but please tune in to watch the, the, the pre-recorded shows. Uh, but until Monday, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.